Dave Williams presents Conversations.Buzz. And there he is, my old friend. What we've been we've known each other for about 40 years now. Let's see, 1981, right? I think okay, we met, so, so it's it's longer than that. Yeah. Coming up on 45 years old, man. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is, and, and I mean, it was it was one one. We worked one full year together. Is that all? And yeah, yeah, just one year, one one maybe maybe, maybe a year and a few months. And mm-hmm. I went over to the other other station in town, KFBK, or no, I went to Channel Forty. I went to work on television for two right. years, and we've stayed friends forever. And we tried to work together for a long time, and we we're never able to pull that off. Yeah, but um, that, that was a hell of a year. I just well. I'll put it that way. It was a great. It was a great year. Well, it was a great year. It's been a great friendship, as you said. Uh, we've we've stayed friends forever, and it's one of those friendships where we don't talk very often. We don't. I don't think we really have to. You know, you're always on my mind, always in my heart, and all that stuff. So, but you, you've always been involved in sports, sports radio. Uh, I guess the exception to that would have been the time that you were the morning show host at KFI in Los Angeles, right? Yes, because someone I know couldn't get out of his contract to be the host. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, I spent, a, I spent almost two years at KFI. Yeah. Was that a tough job for you? Oh, my God, on every level. I mean, as you know, I mean, I was not a morning guy, number one. I hadn't worked mornings except for the one year with you. I'd yeah. just done sports. So I'd never done a news show except for about three or four months at the, at the radio station. I did the afternoon news. So I was I was woefully unprepared. Uh, for the opportunity, though I enjoyed getting it, and it, and it propelled me to to where I wound up now in Seattle. But um, I was—I think I've told the story to you before. But you know, it was one of those things where I thought it was going well, and a lot of the people came down from uh, from Atlanta, who uh, the station was run by um, corporate the name Cox Cox in, in Atlanta, and were the corporate people coming down there to see the show and doing the show with uh, our old friend Terry Ray Elmer and. Thinking that it came out all right, came out okay. You know, I'm surprised it came out pretty good for a first time. I walk on through the hallways and I see the guys huddled with the, the station manager Howard Neal, and I realized instantly that no, it hadn't gone well, <laughs> and that I was going to be I was going to be in a lot of trouble here. <laughs> I was right; I wasn't ready for it. So, I mean, I kind of I kind of knew from the beginning once I got to it that it was it was a big challenge and really really something audacious to try and do something like that as your first um, your first um, news show in a market like Los Angeles. Well, it was audacious of David G. Hall to hire you for that. Uh, I mean, sure. and and Howard Neal, both of those guys are, ex- are you know extremely knowledgeable about their business, and they saw something in you that uh, people in Sacramento have known about you for years. And that is just, regardless of what you're talking about, you're an interesting and entertaining and fun guy. And Seattle picked up on that right away. Yep, and and that is those three things, although maybe not the guy part are the most important things for success in radio long-term. Be interesting and be fun. Yeah. Though and unpredictable, maybe. That, that works, too. I mean, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. It's, it's you know, be, be a larger-than-life personality if you can. Exactly right. When you're doing talk shows and things like that. Well, let's talk a little bit about sports. And we'll start, we'll start off with your time in Seattle because you have been, uh, you've been referred to as a, a legend, a Seattle legend, because you've been there for so long. Now, you've been... You've been off the air. You retired, uh, what, has it been four years now? Uh, actually, about, well, coming up on the third year. Coming up on the third year, oh, so I two see. years. Okay. 
And that was because of for health considerations. Well, I have Parkinson's disease um, and I've had some other health problems as well um, that have uh, certainly slowed me down. But yes, that, that's why. Although I was I was kind of nearing the end. I, I, I said all I had to say for the most part. And I was really planning on in the last, you know, last years of my career, just doing basketball games for Seattle University, uh, a Division One school in town, not the big school like Washington, but it was a lot of fun to do that. And uh, unfortunately, I was unable to keep up with the travel schedule for that. And then COVID hit, and and um, that was that. So, yeah, I had a um, nice run in Seattle, 91, uh, 30, 31 years total. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Can you think of a highlight or maybe there's, you know, a bunch of them, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a stretch in, in 1995 when, um, I was doing color for the Washington state football team. I was doing Mariners pre and post game and, um, I, I was doing Seahawks pre and post game as well. And, uh, there was a time where they were in the playoffs in 95, where I was flying to New York to do the Mariners games and then had to fly to Nebraska to do a, a Washington state, Nebraska football game. And then had to fly back to Seattle, do a Seahawks game. And this was all in, in a period of four days. I had three hotel rooms across the country, uh, and I wasn't at any one of them at one point, and, and it was just it was just a crazy wild time. Uh, 95 was probably the most fun for me in my career sportscasting-wise because also the Sonics, uh, who weren't playing at that point, but were under George Carl and Gary Payton and Sean Campbell were winning all the time. And, yeah. you know, the, the fun thing about it, Dave, it's hard for me to pinpoint anything because we were, we were kind of the beginning of it. We were, I'd say we were probably the third, maybe fourth station to try this all-sports format. And so everything was new in a way, and so everything was fun in a way. It was you know, and something that I can't really describe uh, in terms of radio before. I mean, it was it was something new, something no one had done before, so you couldn't do anything wrong necessarily. I mean, you're doing everything right, <clears throat> excuse me, but you couldn't do anything wrong. So I mean, it was every day was, was something new, was something exciting, was something fun, and and um, that was that was really what fueled us. And we had a, we had a great run here. Uh, we had lucky lucky we had the ownership that we had. Um, at the time, because they, they set us up to be what we wanted to be. I said, you know, say what you want to say. The, the guy that owned us, Barry Ackerley, also owned the Seattle Supersonics at the same time. Now, you're talking about KJR. Down. You're talking about KJR? Yeah, KJR. Okay. Yes, KJR, which is the great old um, rock and roll station that Pat right. O'Day worked okay. for over the years. Um, they went sports uh, in 91, hired me from Los Angeles. It was the first guy that they hired. And, you know, off we went and, you know, it was very accurately the owner of the Sonics who owned us. And normally when you have nowadays, when you have teams that are on the radio stations, they expect compliance. They expect you to, to root for the home team. They don't want any kind of negative stuff reported. And very accurately understood radio. And he, he used to say to us at the start of every year, ask me anything you want, anything you want. And I'll tell you, although you can't attribute it to me. And you say whatever you want during the course of this season. Your job is to, is to, is to get listeners to your radio station. And that was uh, refreshing. <clears throat> I had no idea that that was going to be the last time I heard that from, from radio station because he was it was the last of a uh, of a group of guys, I guess, who weren't that intimidated by the fact that like you know it could take bad publicity. I'll put it that way. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the old saying, right? There's no such thing as bad publicity. It's all good publicity as long as you're being talked about. And what you said a moment ago, I thought was just brilliant. You said uh, something to the effect that doing all sports, there was you couldn't do anything wrong. And that's the really, the, you know, just before we started talking, I got curious and I went online looking to see if I could find out how many uh, sports talk stations there are in America versus how many news and or news talk stations. I couldn't find a comparison, but I would bet you anything that there are more sports talk stations now on the air 
than there are news stations. Because it could be. Well, I was gonna say because of what you said, because news is news is is tough. It's uh it's hard, it's emotional, it's crap that people really don't want to hear. You know, it's kinda of like going to the yeah. dentist. You don't you know you know and having done uh, done morning news myself for, for so long, you just get to a point where it's oh my god. You know, we got to talk about politics yeah. again today. We got to talk about the war. We got to talk, you know, all this stuff. Sports, you guys are just, you're, you were always, the sports department in every radio station was always referred to as the toy department. Mm-hmm. It was a condescending reference in the beginning. But the fact of the matter is, you're able to have fun no matter what's going on. You are. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting how uh, that, that changed. And, you know, because uh, when I think about it, the guy who got me interested in sports, to begin with, was Howard Cosell. Really? He was not a guy who had a lot of fun, necessarily, but was a reporter. Would always rail against, you know, he wasn't a jock and, and you know, was a reporter first and, and so on and so forth. And so I think a lot of us, when, when sports radio got started, it was 87, I think, that, that it started in, in New York uh, with um, with Imus and those guys. And we were in 91. Um, so, you know, when you, when you got started, most of the guys in it had been broadcasters, you know, a lot of them out of news because there, there was there was some sports talk shows. Then. There was no sports radio stations then. So almost all the broadcasters were trained in, you know, news and, and, you know, getting double sources and doing things like that. And it kind of evolved over over a period of time to be in something else entirely. And, you know, some of the things that have always been important have, have remained the same, which is, you know, you got to be listenable. You got to be entertaining, like you said. But, um, you know, for a while there, people were, it, w- it was really negative. It was all about attacking, attacking, attacking. And, you know, that was some, we had a little taste of that in Seattle with uh, Nancy Donnell and the fabulous sports babe. We wound up going to ABC and was a great friend and, and is a great friend and was, you know, was really acerbic. And, and that stuff worked for a while. The guy called himself the coach killer worked for a while. And then it kind of changed from that to, um, you know, being more about rooting for the home team. And, and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, still the, the thing that you said at the beginning about being a toy, toy shop is it was, was true. It was, it was sports you were talking about. It wasn't, wasn't life or death. Right. You know, and it, it was, it was fun if you wanted to have it. And, you know, it's something I did with my, my partner here for 15 years, Mike Gastineau. Um, we never forgot how much fun we could have and we always made sure we had it. So that was, you know, we didn't care if, if, if it made sense to people or not. You know, if we thought it was funny, we did it and it, and it worked for us. The part that kind of interests that surprises me, I guess, to some extent, is uh, what I see on social media, and occasionally here. I listen to uh, nothing but sports talk here in Dallas, uh, primarily because I'm I've just over been I've been overwhelmed with news for so long. Um, mm-hmm. I just I you know I'm just better not, not interested in it, and so I listen. But I do like talk radio, and I like entertaining radio. And the really good sports guys can entertain me, whether they're talking about anything I care about at all. You know, it could be talking about college basketball. I don't know the first thing about any college teams, but you know, if you're a good host, you're a good host. I think that's true too. And, and you know, the, the one other thing that, that's really impacted sports radio over the years, tremendously so, is the, uh, the meteoric rise of the NFL. I mean, that, that's the thing that, that changed it dramatically for me. And, and, you know, in terms of the sports part of it, that, that's what's changed it the most is the NFL has just eclipsed all the other sports in popularity to an extent that you cannot ignore it. I mean, in fact, you have to. Most stations that, that have the NFL teams, and, and I worked for 
you know, the two sports stations in Seattle, one that had the Sonics when I was there and one that had the Mariners and the, and the, and the Seahawks when they were there, is that the, the Seahawks have got to be talked about every day. I mean, yeah. that's, they've got to be talked about every day. And to me, that was that got really boring fast. I don't care about football in April. I don't care. I'm not going to watch the combine. I'm not going to watch guys work out. <laughs> and, you know, that's people do that, though. I mean, it's, it's become a huge part of it. And then you talked about the other thing that's been the biggest change is social media. I mean, the job is now a 24-7 job. You don't break stories anymore, but you still you still got to be first if you if you can, and you don't have to be truthful. I mean, you just you don't need double sources or anything like that. If you hear something, say it, put it online. So it's become a much more difficult job than I think it it was. Certainly, it was when I started. Much more difficult because you've got to be twenty four seven. You've got to cultivate the um, the online audience. And for me, it was always difficult to do that while you're trying to get ratings. Uh, on regular radio and terrestrial radio because the two work didn't work hand in hand. You, you podcast your shows. I always I never understood why would you podcast uh, the show when you want me to get ratings right. at, at, at three o'clock in the afternoon and you're telling someone you don't have to listen to them. You can listen whenever you want. Yeah. Never made sense to me and, and still doesn't make sense to me, but those are the two biggest changes that happened along the way. Yeah. Uh, but and the other thing that uh, that's weird to me is that uh, while sports talk, uh, people are are having a good time you know i mean there's a lot of serious things to talk about in sports and uh, so that gives you your your change of pace and in, in delivering the program and you know as a good radio person you learn how to do that and you learn when it's time to switch over and change the pace and all that but the sports talks audiences at least the the verbal the the vocal aspect of they just they lose their minds over their local teams <laughs> and so forth. And I'm sitting here in Dallas, and I can't tell you, you know, oh, I know ah, the worst, the worst thing, the only thing worse than their unexpected loss to Green Bay in the first round of the playoffs a week or two ago. The only thing worse than that has been the non-stop whining and bitching <laughs> in the press and the sports stations. The sports stations have to run with it, you know. And yep, even though yep. they don't talk to the they don't talk to the uh, listener the way uh, talk stations used to do, but uh, then you get on Twitter and it's like, okay, we got you know we've got uh, six million people here in this uh, in this metroplex, and uh, five and a half million of them know more about professional sports than the guys that own and run the team. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, you talk about Twitter, which is what we're, what people of our generation are primarily on. That's the other thing, Dave, is there, there are how many social platforms are there now that, that are big, that are, you know, popular that we're, you're not on. So, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to grab hold of the audience, I think, although you're very, very right about, about that passion and, and they want to, you know, people want to stoke that to a degree. I mean, you want you want people to 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 feel that you know they've got somewhere to go to vent it because yeah. you know one of the things that, that that's truly different is you know when I started in '91 and and for the first uh, seven eight years and this is we're not talking about 50 years ago we're talking about you know 25 30 years ago you know there was no internet really to to speak of right and you know I could go down to a to a newsstand uh, like in Pike Place Market and get five papers from other cities. And take a look at the sports sections there, and I'd have the advantage. I'd have some stuff to talk about that people didn't know about. Now, when you go on the air, you got to figure that everyone knows everything that you know. If, if, if Pete Carroll had a press conference yesterday, they've already heard it because it's been on YouTube. They already know it. Uh, they have players, uh, you know, do their own shows and things like that. 
they're doing podcasts and things like that. So, you know, when you start the day, you used to be able to, you used to be informing people. That's gone. Yeah. Now, now you got to try and keep an audience without informing them because they're already informed. How do you do that? I mean, do you, do you, do you just, is it just, you know, continuing to have the same kind of football guests on, or do you try and create a, a, a an area where they can yell and scream, or I, I don't know. I mean, it's insight it's perspective. The, uh, yeah, those are the I mean, things that you do naturally. That's what you do so well. You know, you don't you don't have to be able to define it because you just do it. Insight yeah, perspective, that's, right? That's the truth to that. Looking at looking at a different wrinkle in a particular story or argument. It becomes challenging, man. It really yeah. becomes challenging when when there's so much information that's out there already. And, you know, that's what you started doing was, was kind of telling people stuff. And, and you're right. You know, longevity is because of the personality that you are. Longevity is not because of what you do. It's because of how you do it. And, um, you know, that, that, that can last through and through. But, you know, you see your audience come and go. And, you know, well, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with, with sports radio because of podcasting and, and how prevalent that is now and how good that really is. I mean, I, I didn't listen to it when I was on the air because I, I kind of thought of that as the enemy. And I listen to it now that I'm out, and geez, there are a lot of good podcasts out there, like like <laughs> this one, for example. I mean, you know, the, you can find them on anything from everywhere. And I mean, that that's that seems to be it's. If someone would ask me how to get into radio nowadays, I'd say, Are you sure that's what you want to do? I mean, wouldn't you be better off just doing a podcast and figuring your way through it? Because I don't know, I don't know where radio is going. The, the term radio is going to stay around, but I don't know what it's going to be. I've been talking to some interesting people about that. And uh, it was it was my belief, firm belief for the last few years of my career before I retired. I thought, uh, well, you know, I'm going to be retiring just at the right time when the whole industry is uh, collapsing or at least, you know, fading away into history. I used to call us the lamp lighters of the 21st century, you know. Um, nice. Since, uh, since I started having some conversations with people like Tom Langmire and... Uh, uh, Oh gosh, Greg Tandem and Jack Swanson, and uh, there's some other people coming up. I'm going to be talking with very soon. Uh, these are these are uh, long time, uh, you know, died in 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 whatever they you know. These guys know more about radio than anybody I've ever known, including myself. And they're saying, no, 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 wait a minute, we don't have to fight with with uh, technology. We don't have to allow technology to put us out to pasture, we can embrace it. We can use it. And we're starting to see that in the, in the things that you're talking about. Uh, you know, podcasting is becoming, it's instantaneous. It's simultaneous with the radio show. For heaven's right. sake, it's stations where you can go online and say, I missed that first half hour discussion with the coach. I want to hear that. And you can roll it back, you know, 10, 15, five minutes before you started listening and that sort of thing. So there are a lot of different platforms. I think the whole thing is going to evolve, but the key with radio, forgive me for taking my time with you, but oh. you mentioned it and it's just something that I've been kind of wrapped up in lately. And the, and the key to it is the fact that what never, what will never change is people's passion and appetite for conversation with with good and interesting and entertaining people, you know, and podcasting can't always provide that. Fair enough. Although, I mean, it seems as though everything in our world is pointing us away from that. 
It seems like everything nowadays is pointing us away from conversation and, and uh, towards uh, just listening and reacting and, and um, you know, being upset or whatever. Well, I mean, very few things in life are about that anymore. So I, I hope that that's, there's some truth to that because, you know, we're not having enough conversation. I think that's a problem in society nowadays. We're not having enough conversations. Yeah. Too much, too much dic- 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 people dictating to other people how they should feel and what they should do. So, um, yeah, that, that's something that radio can do, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful it, I'm not sure that it will. I'm not sure that it's going to be enough to overcome the fact that you can sit at home and, and, and you know, listen, live in your own little world, not have a conversation with anyone that will stimulate your thoughts, but only hear from people, uh, from the opinions that you want to hear from, be it sports, be it anything. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like it's going away a little bit. So yeah. I, I hope those guys are right, but I'm, I'm not sure about it. Well, it's a matter of whether or not they can uh, they can catch fire. They're talking about this kind of thing in small markets, the future being the past, you know, serving the yeah. local community the way you used to, rather than having a corporation that owns 400 radio stations dictating everything that you're doing. It's so, funny to say that, Dave, on, on the last couple of days, um, I think the last three or four days, you've seen Sports Illustrated yeah. go away. I mean, you know, we're, we're of the age where Sports Illustrated was, it's hard to describe to people who don't know how big it was. It was the, it was the most important thing. If you were a sports fan of your week was to get that thing and see who was on the cover. And they had the best sports writers and, and they were really a huge part of the landscape. And now they were gutted about three days ago. New York Times and, and the, and, um, excuse me, the, the Los Angeles Times, uh, fired, you know, most of their sports staff and their, their beat writers for the, for the uh, Dodgers and, and those guys yesterday. Um, yeah. The Washington Post has laid off a ton of people. New York Times has already gotten rid of their sports section entirely. They're just going with a national one. So, um, you know, it, it, newspapers, that's not the story. So, I mean, you're right. Local is, especially in small towns. I mean, you, you want to get your local news. You want to yeah. get your local sports. And, and that's that radio. Maybe, maybe that's right. Maybe that's how it stays. It may be the last bastion of doing that. Well, that's what I'm thinking it might might turn into. Like I said, I've become something of an of a, uh, an evangelist about the possibility of radio having a future. But let me go back to what you were talking about a moment ago, uh, Sports Illustrated. I was going to mention that to you. The interesting thing about that situation is that it's not what's going on at the Los Angeles Times and other major newspapers across the country. It's not just a matter of, well, we haven't got enough subscribers, uh, apparently. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but there was some sort of intercorporate battle over over uh, uh, you know payoffs of of uh, contra- contractual obligations and so forth, and so one side just says that's it, never mind, we're done, and so suddenly you know hundreds of people are out of work. So that's a yep. pretty weird thing. It is, and, and you know, it's it's um, it just shows that that times are really changing. In some in some places, in, in some businesses, and and you know, newspapers <clears throat> have, have had it really rough. I mean, they really have changed a lot. Um, there are so few of them now. And, and uh, what it was the article that I read in the New York Times, uh, I think today said there, there's like you know a paper, a local paper, closing every five days in America. Yeah. So um, you know, it's uh, it, that that's the hope for for radio is that it stays in that niche. But you know, I mean. If let's just talk about the car, for example, would, would we even exist? Would radio even exist if not for the car? Because I mean, that, that's right. where people maintained it when television came along, and it became part of everyone's morning routine and afternoon routine. You know, driving home, you you know it, traffic and weather, and yeah. you hear all that stuff together. Well, you know, you don't need that necessarily anymore. 
right. to get that information, you know, will will it will it last? I mean, if if, if cars can punch in an internet station, will it? You know, there there are ones that do traffic for for big 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 cities and things like that, and ones that do sports for that that stuff too on on serious and platforms like that. You know, what what will what is left there for regular radio? Well, what what it needs is innovative programmers, idea right people who understand modern technology and the way to incorporate it into the older technology. Unfortunately, what we're getting, and this is not just my thought, uh, this is what I'm being told by these big name experts I've been talking to, what we're getting is uh, uh, watering down of the entire industry all the way down to, and certainly including the programmers and the people that that uh, you know supposedly come up with all the creativity that goes into into uh, what you hear on the radio. Those guys, hey, look, I know people in radio now whose very first jobs were in major market stations, big name major market stations, and it's you know good for them. They're smart people, they've got a lot of talent, but they don't have they don't have years of experience an understanding of the nuance of performing on radio. And those right. same people are becoming program directors without the background. You know, they're all fast tracking. So it's going to, it's going to need, it's going to need some, uh, some clever young people that come up through uh, all the various technologies and stay on top of every, the way everything changes. Well, you're right. I mean, it would be great to start. I think that's a, a big point. Um, to start at a, at a big market is just—it surprises me to see it when I when I do see it, and I've seen it here, and you know, we're we're a fairly big market here, top ten, and I just you know I, I laugh that thinking well, I can get a get a job at a top ten. I mean you know I, I talked about me at the start of this thing getting the job in L.A. I'd never done sports, I'd never done anything but sports for the most part, but I'd been in broadcasting for for fourteen years, thirteen yeah. years. So I mean I had I had some experience in doing exactly what you're talking about. And, um, you know, you're right. I mean, there, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be different because there are so many ways to incorporate things. So, um, I'm curious to see what, what winds up coming down, but, um, it's going to be different. It's certainly, it's amazing how fast it's changed. I mean, you know, sports radio started in 91 and now, you know, it's, you're right. There are a lot of sports radio stations, but a lot of them are carrying, you know, the same programming. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's not as diverse as it used to be. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how much it's changed in, in just my 30 years. Uh, the next 30 years will be pretty, even more dramatic, I would, I would expect. I'd like to, I'd like to uh, talk for just a minute before we wrap this up, but talk a little bit about, uh, sports franchises and, uh, the cost of, the cost to fans, to consumers, because it's gotten to a point. And you talk about the explosion of the NFL. Good Lord. Are those people ever going to be satisfied with how much money they make? <laughs> and I understand, no, because that's what they do, right? But yeah, but <laughs> I'm not just talking about the the fact of the matter is that the that the the price of going to a an NFL game is out of reach for most people in this country, and it's even that way with baseball and basketball to some extent, not as much, but. We now we've gotten to a point where okay, well I can't go to uh, I can't go to a Cowboys game, I can't go to a Seahawks game, I just can't afford it, and I certainly can't take the family, so I'll watch it on TV. Oh really? How much are you going to pay for that now? Because it's not like you can just watch a local station. Occasionally you can, but uh, you're going to have to subscribe to one of several different 
platform, different operations. You can't even just, David, I, this is a big deal for me because here I am in Dallas and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan. I wanted to watch the regular season games. Well, it's like playing whack-a-mole, finding out which, you know, that's going to be on, uh, you know, which, which, uh, which, uh, network or network. Yeah. Thank you. And then, so I said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to subscribe to NFL plus premium and I should take care of everything. It doesn't. <laughs> they still, they still only broadcast like two games on Sunday. You know, you gotta. So anyway, um, I, I, I just, I just wonder at what point. Uh, players' salaries and and uh, contractual obligations and uh, you know the player union at least with uh, baseball and and uh, basketball. I, you know, I'm just wondering: is it going to get to a point where most sports fans are going to go? You know what? I'm going to go to the high school games and maybe I'll pick up a a double A team once in a while or something along those lines. I don't know, Dave. Um, you know, first off, boy, take a look at what basketball tickets cost nowadays or hockey tickets cost nowadays. They are outrageous, outrageous, along with the NFL, like you pointed out. I mean, start with your first point. Enough, enough. You know, NFL probably makes $11 billion a year in advertising revenue only and in, in, in revenue from, from not advertising, but, but their, their, their deals with, with, um, you know, like, uh, the NFL red zone now, which is all the games is on uh, YouTube and, and the CBS contract, their, their Fox contract, they pay about $11 billion. Uh, that, that's that with, that's not with one ticket revenue. It's not with anything. That's, that's what the 31 teams are, are sharing in just that, that small sliver. It's probably 20% of the revenue that the NFL teams make. So the amount of money they're making is, is beyond grasp. And you know why they why they charge so much is, is I guess because they can charge so much because they can. I suppose yeah. that's the attitude. I suppose that's the attitude. And, and you know I I thought people would get tired of it a long time ago to tell you the truth. And you no, know, they haven't. They haven't. Um, you had these regional sports networks, which are the next things that are that are in trouble now. Which kind of I, I think you have. I'm trying to think of Dallas's situation. I think it's similar to here. We've got a company called Root who owns. Um, you know, the rights to the Mariners and, and the Seattle Kraken, for example. And, mm. and they, um, they charge us special, you know, $10, $12 fee to get that stuff on a, on a particular cable channel. Or if you're streaming, if you cut the cord, like I have, you can get it on a particular streaming service, but you know, you only get it on that one streaming service. If you want to get hockey and other stuff, you got to go to another one. So, you know, they're just the, the money that they're making is, is ridiculous. And I don't know when it's going to change. Uh, they're, they're, look, games are still sold out. You know, I mean, it doesn't seem like anyone can afford tickets, but they can, and they are. I mean, it's not like, you know, you, you know, baseball, you'll see some empty seats, but in an NFL situation, you very rarely will. You know, basketball is a whole different thing. I don't know how basketball is making it because, you know, basketball, you've got a couple of teams a year that can win it, a lot of teams that can't, and they just simply sell the, the personalities, the celebrities of the game, and it's worked for them. Yeah. You know, they don't even talk about the home team anymore. They talk about, you know, who you're going to see. LeBron's coming to town or Giannis is coming to town. And, and I mean, that, that, that's been what the NBA is doing for, for a decade now. And it, it seems to be working, even though they've got some franchises that are in trouble. So, uh, sports seems like it's on a high wire to me to a degree, but, um, that surprised me at every turn. And, and, you know, the NFL's popularity is, is again, the thing that's the biggest mind blow for me. I mean, I think the top 50 shows last year, 44 of them were NFL games. Oh. 44 of the top 50 for the year are NFL football games. I mean, our love of the NFL is, is frightening to me. 
Yeah. In some respects, it's, it's just crazy. And um, to answer your question, I don't think we're anywhere near the point of, um, of implosion yet. They're just, we're just not there. Financial saturation. Not getting there. The money, I just can't believe the money in the NFL. I mean, it's just, it, it blows me away every time I look at it. And, and um, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. it, it, they, they find a way to be popular 365 days a year. And I think your friend Mark Cuban had said it, you know, what, what, the line about pigs that, you know, a, a pig gets fat, a, 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 a hog, hog gets slaughtered. Right, yeah. right. And that's what the NFL started to advance the other day. So now they're on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, Thursday. Thursday was the Amazon game, you know, which is what we're calling it, which is streaming simple. You know, I mean, give me, give me five years and it'll be on five, six days a week. Right. Watch. I mean, and, and you'll have to subscribe to three or four different providers to to watch them. I wouldn't yep. mind if it was a la carte pricing. You know, I want to watch one game this Sunday, a particular right. game. I'll go to whoever's carrying it, give them you know twelve or fifteen dollars or whatever it is, and be done with it. But the fact that you have to sign a contract, you have to sign up for a year, and then you can get out of those things. But it's a pain in the neck, or you got to take a a trial. Right. You get, you get right. two weeks of free trial. And then once you get out of that, because you watched what you wanted to watch, you can't get back into a free trial. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's, you know, one thing that if you watch the, if you ever watched the red zone on the NFL, on the NFL yeah. networks. Yeah. I've seen I mean, it. That, 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 that to me, oh, you, it's, it's terrific, Dave. And it's the ultimate because all it is is touchdowns. Right. It was taken away the boredom of watching. You don't have to watch the whole game. You can watch here and we'll show you every score. Well, see, that's and something else I don't understand. Boredom for for the fans. It's like, you know, when they speed it up, the, when, you know, they put the pitching clock in baseball. Baseball is not meant to have a time on time limit, but that's that's because I'm old. You know, I enjoy right. going to the ballpark and seeing uh, seeing everything that's going on on the field. And even in the dugouts, I want to watch how the how the outfielders are lining up for each batter, you know. I want to see if the catcher or one of the coaches is motioning one guy over this way and that way. All that stuff's part of the drama to me. It's not just a matter of you show me just the base hits and the, and the scoring. It's like, well, you know, I've well, I know, you know it, it's, you know, I'm a big, huge baseball fan like you too. And I'm a traditionalist and I actually didn't mind the, the changes because, um, well, I'll get to that, but I used to, I used to love, Going to games when I go with my wife, for example, and there'd be a runner on on first and second, and there'd be two outs, and it looked like nothing's going or one out, there'd be nothing going on. And I say, you know, you know, you know how many things are going on right now? There are ten things going on right now. Yeah, pitchers looking at the catcher, the catcher's looking down to first base, see if he got a pickoff move. Second baseman is trying to read the signs to give him to his guy there. Outfield is swinging around because there's going to be a play at home. Right. I mean, there's all these things that are going on, but you know what? In this day and age, Dave, come on, no one's got time for that. No one's got time for that at all. So I, I thought I thought actually the, the the changes they made in baseball were okay. I never minded a three hour baseball game, but but it was okay. Football, by the way, is not not bound by these things. Football games are three and a half hours. The Super Bowl is like five hours, <laughs> and no one cares. No one cares. So I mean, it's just things are faster nowadays. And I understand that baseball had to adjust a little bit. I thought it's too bad that it was. But you know, the other part that messed up baseball was its rules when they went through um. When they, when they let's say our metrics take over and, and let um, the probabilities happen, and you know it turned out that it makes more sense to strike out, yeah. to walk and, and hit home runs. And you know what? That may be true. It may be a way to win, but it's it's boring. Yeah, 
So I thought I was, I was, I thought they were smart to legislate against that stuff, but by uh, you know saying you can't do the ships and you can't do what you're doing, and, and make it a little bit more like baseball used to look like. But <clears throat> you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see if it's still if it's, it's got a long legs or not. And again, I remind you that it's so far away from football now. Um, right, it, it doesn't almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I uh, uh, there was one time I went to a game a couple a couple three seasons ago here in Dallas, and uh, the uh, and the Rangers were playing uh, Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox had a pitcher. I can't think of his first name. You'll know it. Price. David Price, was it? Yep. Yeah. That guy took a full 30 seconds between pitches, walking around out there and picking up the uh, the rosin bag, bag. And, and, look, you know, wiping his head and wiping and scratching his back. You know, it's like, good Lord, man, are you going to throw that ball or not? And so <laughs> putting the pitch clock on probably a pretty good thing. But I got to say, I lose my mind when they put a runner on second in the 10th inning to start the 10th <laughs> inning. Right. Was, Come on. Seriously. I uh, know. Just trying to speed things up. Well, I mean, I, Seattle played in the playoffs. It was rare when it happened last year, the year before last, and they had an 18 inning game with Houston for the for the in the in the in the playoffs. And I was watching the game, and I was talking. To, you know, I'm really good friends with Bill North, the former player with the Oakland A's. Sure, yeah. And you know, I was talking to him as the game was going on about how, you know, they're going 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. No one's getting any hits, but no one's trying to bunt. No one's trying to get on base. No one's taking. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's just and the guys who do get on base, no one's running. Right. No one steals to one station to station, so it just goes on and on. So it's it, everyone's talking about how exciting it is. It's not exciting. Yeah, I understand it's 15, 16, 17 innings, but nothing's going on because no one will play. No one will, will will play the game. It's all about the you know going by the rules, uh, and um, it, it really took a lot away from the game. So I mean, yeah. although the second, I don't hate the the, the, the runner at second base because I don't know why they're doing it I and mean, they want to speed games up. But um, yeah, it's not it's not what it used to be for sure. And, and I used to, you know, I used to love the, the the pace of baseball and and still do. But you know, I mean, I miss double headers. Uh, oh people yeah, people look at you like, double header. You go to you go to two games in one day. Who's got seven hours? I say, yeah. well, I, I used to. Yeah, I used to have the time to sit at the ballpark and do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know. Well, I guess we ought to grab our walkers and uh, <laughs> <laughs> creep back over to the easy chair put our feet right, up and take right, a little right. nap but uh it's been great talking to you we want to do it again of course all right please uh please give bonnie a hug for me how's it caroline doing good yeah she's doing great we're doing fine good to hear it's glad to hear all right man thank you my friend <laughs>